0: To Peer Into Recovery, a podcast with a focus on the profession of peer support. For more information about how to subscribe, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Danielle Donaldson. In this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Leroy Robinson. Leroy is supervisor of the 401 Peer Center in Radford, a facility operated by New River Valley Community Services that is designed to support individuals in recovery from substance use and mental health disorders. Originally from Philadelphia, he is in long-term recovery after 24 years of active addiction. He was one of the first two participants to graduate from the Pulaski County Adult Drug Court Treatment Program in 2016, and has most recently been employed by New River Valley Community Services as a peer recovery specialist, assisting individuals enrolled in local drug court and jail diversion programs. Hi, Leroy. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing?
1: I am doing phenomenal. Awesome. How are you
0: I'm doing pretty good, too. It's It's a lovely fall day, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And really and, and
0: you're just down the road from me. So you're you're basically a neighbor.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey neighbor.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hi from Blacksburg.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh so Leroy, uh let's get into it. Would you mind sharing with the audience um maybe what led you to peer support? What inspired you to to start this profession?
1: Um so after graduating uh From the drug treatment court in Pulaski, I had, um, I had opportunity to meet some, some fantastic individuals. So while in treatment, there was a lady there. Um, she, uh, spoke to me about, um, peer support and what it was and, um, believed that I would be an asset to the movement. So, um, I also was, uh, kind of encouraged by our now director James Pritchett, who uh, kept he kept insisting that I inform him when I got the eighteen months clean, um, and said he had some things in the works. And um, so as at, I was a housing counselor for a, com- a community action, he uh, took me out to lunch and told me that they was uh, starting up an office of peer supports and wanted me to come work for him. Um, and I, I, I didn't know. Uh, fully what that meant. But um, when he said that I would be able to utilize uh, my story to inspire hope in others, it, that was a no brainer. Yeah. Um, early on in treatment, they had asked me three of my greatest goals. And one um, was I wanted to grow closer in my spiritual higher power, two, I wanted to be an influence and a, a role model for my children. And the third one was that I always wanted to utilize my story to help others in recovery, and that's how um, my journey began.
0: Wow, that sounds like a kind of a fate, I guess, maybe, or you know, yeah. everything came together together for you at the right time. Uh, yes, ma'am. And and I love hearing that. I've you know I've talked to several different peer specialists and. Um, there's definitely that common thread of, of people being kind of called to the profession in one way or another. So,
1: yeah, yeah. yes, ma'am.
0: Did you uh, have any particular challenges along the way?
1: Well, I plenty. Um, as a uh, paraplegic, um, I never knew how to live as a paraplegic. I got, um, shot, uh, in 2012 in a drug deal and um, and my addiction uh, had really manifested itself because of the, the lack of mobility. And so in trying to cope, dealing with the depression, you know, the, 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 the obvious um, um, culture shock and how to survive. Well, I didn't know how to live as a, a human being uh prior to that now living as a human being in a wheelchair so um i had challenges with 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 that and then uh, at the time i was married so going through a really messy divorce um custody battles um family loss uh lost my brother uh my oldest brother um so you know they they call it life on life uh challenges. So just, and being, and the, 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 the the odd odd thing is that living in this area, um, African-Americans make up a small percentage. So when I used to attend the NA meetings, uh, I noticed that I was the only one there most times. And with the disease of addiction, it'll, 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 con me into identifying out. So, no, they don't understand what I've gone through. They don't understand my struggles. There's no one black in here. I don't need to be here. So just, you know, just thoughts and uh, self-defeating um, um, thoughts like that was was also challenging. So, uh, you know, yeah, it's, you know, life on life. There was obstacles um, to overcome, you know, obviously employment Housing, um, because of my past, uh, a lot of the uh, housing communities pretty much denied me because I had drug charges, um, you know, drop mobility, getting around transportation. That's an obvious barrier in this area. So, yeah, you name it. Um, there was a it was an obstacle to overcome.
0: Uh, well since uh, we are going to be talking about uh, racial justice in this episode, would you mind maybe explaining how you worked through that issue of of feeling I guess I, I mean I I'm paraphrasing and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth but you know out of out of place. Um, in a in a rural, you know, we 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 live in, you know, Southwest Virginia, which is far more rural than the rest of the state. So right. I, I can understand, um, you know, not feeling like you're you're part of the majority there. How did how did you how did I'm trying to find the right words for this? How did you persist in your recovery uh, when you were faced with a situation like that?
1: So. Um... A little like well, a little bit of the history of where I come from in Philadelphia. I grew up in a predominantly Latino society. So, in my opinion, I believe that I was able to be a chameleon, so it's like adapt or die.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I went through a severe identity crisis. and so I lost myself and i and and then I went, and once i was I was arrested and I served some some penitentiary time. I did a lot of reading, trying to find who I was. I went through a lot of um, different mindsets and belief systems to to really appreciate me as a person, my skin tone, you know, um, that I'm a male, (laughs) you know, uh, these things and that, and it went through a lot of stages of hatred and and misplaced hatred, uh, projection, insecurities, uh, fear, um, and and I think once I got to uh, Christianity, which is my, my belief, um, once I got to that, my high power, I, I, I was really able to love love on me because my high power loves me like he loves me. Then, um, you know, who can stand against me? Right. Mm-hmm. So navigating through um, the, the, the feeling of being out of place, what happened was there was some awesome people. Right. So my support network coming into recover well, treatment first, before I even entered into recovery, I went into treatment. So when I got into treatment and you I think you made you commented on it earlier, it was I always believed that it was the right people in the right place at the right time for me. Mm-hmm. Right, So um, everyone, I believe that there's no coincidences. Right. So when I meet people, I can even make an enemy or a friend. So I chose to to, to make friends and I connected and I would talk and you know uh, try to overcome the fear of being out of place and when I got into the rooms I, I you know I was assisted by a lot of folk in there who who, who, who informed me how con- cunning and baffling that this disease is. So uh, the folk that were in there they they, they helped to um, guide me on the right path so I came in complaining. obviously it's everybody's fault it's this person that didn't want to take a look at myself. And uh, as I got in, you know, people wasn't, the, they was not afraid to approach me, uh, to love on me. And I realized that, you know what, I don't I don't have to be out of place because we all dealing with a similar battle. And, uh, you know, and obviously there's gonna be some people that don't believe the way I believe, I get that. But um, I looked at people, this is what really helped is that I, in order for me to see people the way my higher power see people, I gotta love people the way my high power love people. Mm. So um just looking on the internal individual and and it, it's amazing because when I go down the 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 um the progression of time or how the dominoes fell, I mean it was everyone, and I, and and I'm not even being irrational here. Those who were in my life, with the exception of my pastor, were white Americans and they all had a genuine love and concern for me to make it out of that lifestyle. And it was back to back. Even talking about um, when I was in jail with a bond of $25,000, uh, this lady who was a white uh, woman um, put her home up and bonded me out. And I never met her. Wow. We just read. Somebody uh, gave me her address and said that they enjoyed the way I interpreted the Bible and thought that she and I had a lot in common and we wrote letters for six weeks. And I just shared my story. And she said she was pricked in the heart with compassion and believed that I was destined to do greater things than to sit in the jail cell. And knowing that she had to go through being rejected and ousted from her family, which they did, called her horrible and miserable names. And I understood that because my background was not uh, you know Rosie and they was concerned at who she was bringing in her home and she ended up uh saying that she needed she believed she needed to do this and she put her home up got me out of jail she nursed me back to health for 6 solid months wow. when I got drug court and got a home and then she passed away my best friend oh,
0: I'm so, so sorry to hear know,
1: that you can't put a price yeah, or you can't put a label or anything on that. That was my higher power doing for me what I couldn't do for myself.
0: That's an amazing story.
1: Doris Gail Talbert I always I always said that every time I get an opportunity to speak, I would mention her name to keep her legacy going because it started with her. If I was not out on bond, then I couldn't I wouldn't have been a candidate for drug court because they had no funds at the time. Mm-hmm needed individuals that was out waiting for trial. Wow,
0: that's that's just mind blowing. Uh, Wow, that's an amazing story. Yes, ma'am. Can I ask you, um, kind of moving into, I guess, uh, peer uh, support as a profession, uh, what do you think peer specialists uh, need to know about how racial disparities affect recovery?
1: Um well what I'm seeing is uh this it's a fear. It's a fear and it's also an excuse. I talked to a guy the other day and he said he was he was fired because he um he backed in the he was, you know, worked for Schiller, he backed into some vehicle. And I think they may have obviously if there's an accident, they gotta do a a drug screen and um and he, he blamed it on his skin tone. And I thought about that. You know, uh, he, he's in denial of of his substance use disorder and said, and because of what's going on, uh, utilizing it as an excuse, um, you know, not to do a thing or not to focus on what's important, like prioritizing. Uh, and, and that's what I, I see. I see it as, for some, as a way to project that anger, misplaced hatred, uh, a way to uh, continue uh, using, you know, maybe uh, getting the case of what they call the efforts, and just saying, well, you know, um, you know, my country doesn't accept me, so why should I accept myself. Um, you know, Danielle, this is what's, what's crazy is that. You know, I don't know any slaves, and I don't know any slave owners. Um, and, and what 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 occurred occurred, and you know, obviously, is disheartening what what occurred. But, um, you know, here we are and we're not where we are, where we were 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Progress takes time. Um, And until we can kind of pinpoint how to really eradicate this thing, it's just we got to keep on moving and do it peacefully, do it diplomatically. And um, I'm just understanding from my perspective is that, you know, I'm not the only one brainwashed here. Right. There's there's complexes. And people who are in, in privilege, they also have been brainwashed to believe because of a skin tone that makes them better, right? So there's a sensitivity that exists here that I got to understand that we we in this country, you know, we talk about survival. Well, however they had to be uh, taught in order to survive is the way the parents did what they had to do. But as we are moving along, right, we're so further along today than we were before. So, and as a PRS, I, I, I make every attempt not to open that can of worms mm-hmm. um, to really just make or, or, or help the individual come alongside them, allow them to vent. If they want to talk about it, you know, don't give them any opinions or any of my personal perspective on it. But then once they get it out of their system, you know, my, my goal is to try to lead them towards recovery. You know, that's my goal. You know, I'm not a politician and, you know, I'm not with uh, a lot of the uh, things that separate us. Um, you know, I, I just want to be a bridge uh, for whatever reason. And it's going to be difficult, you know, for me to um, partake in any of the uh, negativity surrounding racial disparities because, like I just explained to people, um, you know, I was shot twice by. A black, I was shot once by a black man I was shot once by a Puerto Rican and I was framed by a white man so you would think I just don't like anybody <laughs> But but just I understood I understand it's it's a mindset um it's about you know teaching each other how to love on each other because when you look at children and you ask them to describe that other child it's not going to describe that child by his skin tone right. he'll make a, a, a hey that guy with the blue hat he's a boy with, you know, uh, uh, black sneakers, you know, they'll look at things like that, but not so as much to be learned from children. Uh, but I'm sorry, I, I went off. I went, I went off on a rabbit trail.
0: No, no, no. I, I thought that was all, um, uh, very good points. And I guess, you know, one of the things I, I just got from what you were saying is, um, you know, there is, I guess, the bond amongst peer specialists. Of, you know, we all share that bond of lived experience, and um, right. you know, perhaps if we focused more on on that, um, and and mm-hmm. tapping into that connection, uh, that helps you do your do the work that you do as a peer support specialist. Absolutely. Um, is that, there that program? Is there? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to ask if is 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 there anything about this current movement that's influencing how you're you're practicing peer support right now?
1: Well, at, and 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 well, in a positive way, right? So, um, as as I as I uh, expressed to um, the agency I work for, that we should be a beacon. You know, let's show let's show our community what. Um, harmony looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Equality. We turn no one away that come through those doors, right? We have a uh, great people in supervisory positions. Um, you know they hire. I mean, like we're so ahead of the curve in our area with the peer support movement. I mean, you're they're hiring fel ex felons, right? With with, with maybe um, barrier crimes even, right? So we're we're doing so much for that movement and giving people careers and to to, to be proud of so it, it, the influence is positive and in the role that i'm in you know where i'm able i'm able to get that individual that would show up and try to identify out well i'm here so you can't say there's no black folk here i'm so i'm sorry about you know you got to look for another excuse you know you know that's not going to happen so you know this is This is what's what's, um, beneficial uh, in in being in this position and in this role in this area.
0: Yeah, very much so, yeah. Um, Is there anything... So first of all, uh, have you a lot of experience with um, advocacy as a peer specialist?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I served on the uh, drug court uh, team, um, in this, in our locality, well, in all of the localities in our regional, in our region. Mm -hmm. So we, in Giles, Montgomery, Floyd, Pulaski, and here recently, uh, the city of Radford. And, um, this is, this is what I do. This is what they hired me for to be able to, um, help individuals, uh, uh, identify stigma. Okay. And let's get rid of that. Um, we, we, we can't pick and choose who's going to be successful uh, in the program, who's going to be successful in recovery. Um, you know, most of us come in with these with these charges or this whole background. And um, that we have ex- um, experience or um, direct affiliation with some of the law enforcement. And then they'll immediately say, "Nope, this guy's not going to make it. Talk to Judge Fleener who used to be the uh, Commonwealth attorney there in Pulaski, Um, I I met him. Well, I seen him not too long ago. And he said, you know, Leroy, I have to apologize. He said, when your uh, case came across my table for a a possible um, candidate for Pulaski drug court, he said I was the first one to say this guy's not going to make it. He is not going to make it maybe y'all need to think about someone else. So, you know, just hearing that, and now I'm in that that role in that position to speak and as, as well as um, helping folk to understand like the mindset of African-Americans in this fear or this inferiority complex and why some of us put up this defense mechanism of aggression and misplaced hatred, you know, just helping them to understand that because I too was a product, you know, of that. Right. I, 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 I um, Projected that same insecurity at some point, and you know, hated the world, and it was a conspiracy theory, and you know, that kept, that stuff kept me sick. It kept me sick and stuck and in denial. Um, so, just being able uh, to speak on those things, you know, in my opinion, it is really helpful, and it gets um, it helps those individuals to understand the mindset um, and the belief system.
0: So, if there, uh, do you have any advice maybe for peer recovery specialists mm. who would like to be able to advocate for more racial equality? Um, do you have any resources or, or it, like any advice to share with them?
1: Well, I, in, my, in my, 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 um one of my pet, well, what I say, motto, my motto is the worst vice is advice. But <laughs> you know, a suggestion, um, um, just off of what I've, been able to do and saw that it was helpful is just uh, approach it without fear um of of the of the response um and uh, if 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 an individual needs some help with maybe uh, tweaking their language or their approach they can give me a call at on the warm line 540-443-2663 and I'm you know willing to talk someone through it um fear, fear I'm talking about fear it cripples and and causes sometimes us to, 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 make horrific decisions. Um, but if, you know, we can overcome that once I was able to overcome the fear of being judged or being looked at wrong or being, you know, um, rejected or denied. And when I was able to overcome that, that's when I saw, um, real progress, real progress. People that found out that people was willing to listen. And if they didn't want to listen, it's okay. You know, on to the next one.
0: Yeah, I I, I suffer from social anxiety myself. And so fear of speaking up is, is always a, a real challenge for me. So, it is. Um, I, well, what they say,
1: they say, they say uh, public, what they say public, I don't know if you've seen the Seinfeld episode. It said that the top one, you know, top two, of the top five fears of America was uh, uh, public speaking was number one, <laughs> and uh, death was number two. And he said, "Well, the guy at the eulogy." He said, "Well, it looks like the, the guy in the, uh, the the casket he's much better off than the one giving the eulogy."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could I could relate to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? Um, or, or any resources that you might like to share with the audience?
1: Um, 401 uh, West Main Street, our 401 Pierce Center. Um, but I would, my thoughts on it all is, um, like I said earlier, um, if, 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 if we can see people the way God sees people, then we can love them the way God loves them. Look on, look on the internal person as opposed to the external.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I love that thought. Well, thank you, Leroy, for, for taking the time uh, to speak with me. Um, I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. And thanks for listening to the Peer into Recovery podcast brought to you by the Virginia Peer Recovery Specialist Network and Mental Health America, Virginia. If you like our show and would like to subscribe to the podcast, please visit our website at www.vprsn.org. And please leave us a review on iTunes. Take good care of yourselves and I hope to uh, speak with you again.